All right, so uh, we are on week four, and we've gotten to the point in the new members class where we want to talk about uh, really then our core mission. We've talked about uh, the offices of the church. We've done a a lot to tell you about CBC. We want to focus in now on our mission. And then the last portion, I'm going to try and leave uh, enough time at the end of class. It's always hard to fit it in. But to explain then how we can learn about you, how CBC can learn about you, what your... um, gifts and abilities are so that we can help you find a place to be serving here at CBC. So the uh, part of the lesson that we're on starts on page 11. And you see the header at the top that says the mission of CBC. I try to go over this regularly enough with our teenagers that by the time they graduate, they're able to recite it, not just for the sake of them being able to recite it, but because a lot of times I feel like organizations, you know, if you have at work a mission statement on the wall, uh, that's all it is. It's a saying on the wall. And it's not really a guide to how we operate day in and day out. And the mission of CBC, you know, mission of a church is so important that uh, I think that we, we can't afford to just have it be something hanging on the wall somewhere. It has to be something that actually dictates how we operate. And so take a look at the the, uh, statement there at the top. The mission of CBC is to help people learn about God, love him and others, and live for his purpose. And uh, this really is, you know, it's not something that we made up here. It is um, an attempt at concisely stating what the New Testament lays out as the purpose of the church. And three areas, those words that begin with L, really call out the different areas, learn, love, and live. And uh, what I want to do is just take a moment and focus on each of those to make sure you all understand what we mean when we say uh, that those three phrases. So learning about God. And what we've tried to do, just also as, as background, what we tried to do in incorporating this mission statement into the life of CBC is we tried to, in fact, pastor all the way back when uh, he began planning to plant CBC, took uh, a step back from the way we normally do church and said, all right, what are the what are the essential functions of a New Testament church? What are the things we're supposed to be carrying out? Uh, you know, the Great Commission and, and, you know, the different, they've been summed up different ways. Some people would say, okay, there are five purposes for the church. Um, worship, fellowship, evangelism, discipleship, and ministry or service. And they might divide them up that way. Um, but we've, we, Pastor tried to say, all right, what is what is it the church is supposed to be about, supposed to be doing? And let's build the um, forms that we use to carry those functions that don't change because the, the, the commission for the church was given back 2,000-some years ago, and it doesn't change. We're supposed to be doing the things that Jesus said for the church to be doing, and uh, that message doesn't change. But we find ourselves in different contexts, in different cultural setting, different um, time of, uh, you know, time of... Uh, for the human race, we have all kinds of technology available to us now that was not around when uh, that commission was originally given. So how can we carry out these unchanging functions uh, in forms that fit where we find ourselves having to carry them out? And so that's really how the structure of CBC came to be, and we've, we've uh, tried to uh, adjust where we've noticed maybe we weren't carrying out the function as effectively. And that's a difficult thing as a church grows. Because we, um, as people, tend to get very comfortable with our forms, and we tend to kind of sanctify those forms. We we start to think of them as the thing that can't change. You know, I grew up in Baptist circles, and that's a kind of a famous uh, mindset that we we um, can poke fun at. As you know, we've never done it that way here before. As if somehow, because we've never done it that way, that means it shouldn't be done a different way. and, and like I said, we tend to marry the form with the function, and so we feel like we've messed with something sacred if we think about a new way to, a new form to carry out the function. So, Pastor said, "All right, here are the unchanging functions. Let's see how we can carry these out." And so, uh, the first, the first part of the mission statement, learning about God, um, we take very seriously 
truth here at CBC. And you see that on our website. It's the reason that our mission statement starts off with uh, the idea of learning about God together. We want to look at what does God say about himself? What does God say about us? What does God say about the world in which he he has placed us? And everything we do ought to be run as a filter through that. What does God say? So learning about God. And so we've set up a couple things to help us with that. And one last uh, comment by way of background. The things that I'm going to list here are by no means exhaustively the only ways these functions can be carried out. But what we've done is we've tried to establish in our structure of our church, in our calendar and and week-in and week-out schedule, ways to do these three things to supplement ways we might be doing them as individuals. And uh, these are things that are strategically built into the life of our church so that at a minimum we're carrying out these functions. But there are other ways that you'll be able to carry out these functions as well. So Community Institute is one of the first ways we've set up to be able to make sure that we're all learning about God. This is a time in our uh, weekly schedule on, on Wednesday evenings where we have set up for adults who get Community Institute. Um, in the children's and teen ministry, we have equivalent type of ministry set up. We've got high-impact students for the senior high and junior high, and then we have the community kids for our little ones. And from the oldest to the youngest, we're trying to make sure that we're covering uh, content ground in the Bible, teaching our people what does God say. Um, So we've got a series of classes you can see listed there starting off with We actually have these designed as a course, so if you were to start at the top and work your way through, it's a discipleship course that you would follow for adults here at Community Institute. How to get the most out of your Bible, starting first of all with an understanding of what is this book we're going to be teaching you from, how is it that we came to have this book in the form that we have it, and uh, that's an area that sadly uh, many believers are not very well versed in. Um, I think we might, as little kids, come away with the idea that somehow a book fell out of the sky and um, this is you know this is how we got the Bible and, and we you know magically now have God's revelation rather than understanding truly God's uh, supernatural uh, superintending of the course of history and events so that like Peter tells us holy men of old uh, spoke as they were directed by the Holy Spirit and uh, God saw that exactly what he wanted written over the years was uh, recorded through uh, individual people in their own voice with their own words, but exactly what he wanted preserved and and how we've come to have that book now. And understanding that is very important foundation for then being able to know that what we learn from it is trustworthy. Uh, and in fact, if you if you ever share are sharing with folks what you believe, that might be one of the first things that they'll challenge is, well, you know, didn't people make this book up in the Middle Ages? People will say things like that uh, who haven't studied it. But we actually take the time to start off with helping you understand how did we get this book? Why is it that we place such confidence in this book? So how to get the most out of your Bible. Then we have a series, a four-part series called the Discovery Series. It takes two years to go through. And it is really a systematic theology for every believer. It's very practical, but it takes you through the core topics of systematic theology so you have an understanding of the key themes in God's Word. And then Master Plan for Life is kind of a next step beyond that. That is uh, taking... um, taking those core concepts that you've learned and then systematically going through how it should be changing us. Um, What difference should all that you've been learning from God's Word and this systematic study be making in your lives? And then we have a series of electives that we offer beyond that, and those are changing uh, on an ongoing basis just to make sure that our people are exposed. Hey, Michael. Are exposed to all of God's Word. And, you know, I just realized I'm going through all this, and I didn't check to make sure you all had a book. You guys need one? All right. So that's Community Institute. And uh, like I said, the design is, it's educational. It is designed to make sure you're learning who God is, not just from you know, my point of view or what philosophers say, but what does God tell us about himself? 
So um, systematic study and education, learning about God, uh, because until we understand who he is and what he says about all of life, we, you know, we're just, we're making it up and everyone's opinion is is uh, equally valuable or invaluable. What does God say is what matters. Um, and then very practically, the next uh, item that you see listed there, growth partners. And this is designed to supplement that educational time midweek with a very personal one-on-one study through some of the basics of the Christian life. And you see the topics listed there. Um, there are, uh, There's a version of it for new believers, and then there are versions for men and women as well as uh, teen men and teen women. And this pairs up um, a more mature believer with a less mature believer. And this is, anybody can do this. You can be um, a growth partner. Uh, at the first time you'd go through it, you'd go through it with somebody who's already been through it. And then the next time you can be paired with somebody who's never been through it and you can lead them through it. So it's actually designed to uh, help you in your personal study and, and devotional life uh, by building a relationship with another believer and studying together and, and sharpening one another. And then for you to be able to turn around and do that with somebody else, which is also a part of our discipleship, being able to lead and disciple others. So those two things are the core components of our uh, attempt at helping us learn about God. And then we supplement that with a lot of things. I mean, we go through on Sunday mornings, we hear a, a message every Sunday morning in our first hour, and that additionally adds to that. And then if you're in pastor Sunday school class, second hour, whatever Sunday school class we have going on, um, all of that adds to it. But uh, those oftentimes may be a little more devotional. Um, the Wednesday night is where we really focus on an intentional curriculum that takes you from thinking through what does a new believer need and how can we move them, all things being equal, in a couple of years, three or four years, to being a more mature disciple. And that's what the goal of our Wednesday night curriculum and growth partners is. Um, the second part of our mission statement then, uh, not only do we want to be learning about God together, but we want to be actually practicing loving him and others. And um, in our schedule, the the love him component, uh, you know, really just about everything we have is is connected to that in some way. But in particular, our worship service, we come together every Sunday morning to meet together and corporately worship the Lord. And so it's a special time. And that is uh, that is a, a key element to our loving uh, the Lord. And now that, if that's all we do as a church to grow in our love for God, then obviously that's, that's going to be deficient. But that is the foundation. That's our time when we get together every week. And so I just say, um, with regard to that, make that a priority, that we meet together with the Lord's people every week to worship together. Um, the Bible has a lot to say about the importance of that, um, that we worship the Lord together, um, whether it's reading in the book of Hebrews that we're supposed to meet together regularly or it's reading in the Psalms and the psalmist talking about how uh, the Lord is honored when we come together in unity and praise him and uh, the Bible's replete with with examples of the importance and then the New Testament example of the believers gathering on the first day of the week in celebration of Jesus' resurrection and so that's what we do on Sunday mornings. We come together and it's a, a core time in our weekly schedule where we come together to express, uh, as a group, our love to the Lord. Um, the next page, on page 12, we talk about the the love and expressing love for one another. And uh, you'll see listed there the key element that we tried to work into our calendar for carrying out this part of our mission is community groups. And uh, this really is where we practice being the family of God. And so I want to encourage you, if you've never visited a community group, if you maybe didn't know what they were or uh, didn't understand why it would be important for you, I'm going to talk a little bit about it. And my goal is to help you understand how this can help round out what we're doing uh, with the other things so that we're helping you grow in your love for one another. 
You know, we come together every Sunday morning and we're focused on worship. We sit in a class like this, a little more education. Midweek we come, it's education, it's kind of classroom. You get to enjoy some coffee and bagels with each other, sure, during cafe community, um, which, by the way, is a part of the, the fellowship element, loving one another. But all those things are, they're fairly, um, the word that comes to my mind, maybe it's not the right word, um, is they're kind of, it's not the right word, they're, Sterile is the word that comes to mind, but just kind of like a hospital room, clean, just bland. That's kind of the word I'm thinking of. It's probably not the best, most descriptive word. But these times can kind of be like that surface. It can be superficial. We just see each other for a few minutes. Superficial is probably a better word. And community groups is an opportunity for things to get deeper between you and the people who you attend community group with. And and look at John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35 written there at the top of your page. Jesus says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. This is how all men will know you are my disciples if you love one another. So a key part of us carrying out our mission together is that we have this kind of love for one another, the kind of love Jesus had for us, the kind of love that compelled him to die for us. And it's really hard to build that kind of loving relationship just over coffee for 15 minutes every Sunday morning. It's really tough. In fact, if it's just community group, that's probably also difficult. But community groups are built into our calendar weekly so that you can get a really hearty start at that. You can connect with people in a way you can't just in passing on a Sunday morning. So community groups provide a context for us to be obedient to this command that Jesus has given us. Um, Hebrews 10.25, I mentioned, I referenced earlier, but Hebrews 10.25 is listed there in that paragraph at the top of your page, which encourages us not to give up meeting together. And uh, in that same context, we read toward the end of that passage in verse 24 that we're to consider how we may spur one another to love and good deeds so that we can encourage one another. Consider how we can spur one another to love and good deeds. This, this assumes that we know each other. And so community groups are a time when we can come together and we can really find out what's going on in each other's lives. There is There are three parts to the evening you see listed there. We come together, and the initial part is kind of like cafe community, but at somebody's house where you just all bring a snack, some sort of a light refreshment, and just kind of enjoy a snack while sitting around somebody's living room and talking to each other and getting to know each other. It's very, it's, it's very informal and uh, helps break down some of the walls that can be here while you're standing in a crowd of 100 people talking. So um, just that that part at the beginning and then from 6 30 to 7 uh, we have a discussion time and it's it's a time where it really is all of us talking it's not just a community group leader delivering a lesson um, because like i said we've got a lot of educational time already built in um, it really is focused more on us thinking together about what we heard taught the previous week generally speaking our, our uh, discussion topics are the previous work weeks sunday morning sermon and the reason for that is we want to talk about, all right, so we've had a week. How's it going? What what difference has what we learned about made in our lives? So the questions are very practical about ways that we might struggle with applying what we heard taught or um, what, what are some of the um, creative ways or what are some of the practical ways we've been able to implement what we learned that previous week. So it focuses on application. And it focuses on the group sharing with each other, not just a teacher giving a lecture. And then finally, the last part, we share prayer requests and pray for one another. We have a prayer sheet that uh, includes requests from the whole church, but the groups will tend to focus on what can we share with each other this week. We've got the sheet to be praying for everybody throughout the week, but this week, what's going on in each other's lives that we can be praying for? So it really is the whole evening is focused on us getting to know each other better and learning how we can be praying for one another and kind of in in the the time where we meet, encouraging one another and then maybe giving us fuel for what we can use during the week to reach out to each other and encourage one another. So it really is the family of God being, you know, we have in our slogan here, the the family of God built on the word of God to the glory of God. It is a time for us to grow closer as the family of God. And so for that reason, we've, it's, it's kind of different. It's, 
Um, it's not maybe what you're used to. A lot of churches will have a Sunday evening service, and we've had folks over the years, I've had people ask me about, like when we didn't own our own building, they would say, oh, it would be great when you get your own building, and then you can have you know, you can have your Sunday evening service instead of meeting in homes. But I had the opportunity at that point to explain to them, no, we'll still have community groups because it's not just another service. It's a time for us to get together and do something different than we do when we meet together for a lesson or um, you know, to worship together. It's it's a smaller setting where you can really get to know people. So that's that's the point. I mean, you see listed there several items uh, that we would identify as the purpose of our community groups. It's a uh, part of our fits into our mission statement where we love others. Um, the community group second bullet point exists to provide an environment in which God's people develop and demonstrate biblical love for one another. And uh, you see the third point there where we get a chance to build loving relationships. We talk about the truth, we pray for one another, we enjoy fellowship. And the fourth, fifth bullet down, actually, last bullet there, community groups provide an opportunity for a diverse group of people to meet together. And you can see uh, reference to Titus there where we learn that uh, God has designed that the body be built up of all its diverse members and that includes the older teaching the younger and uh, it is it is intentional I think I mentioned a couple weeks ago it's intentional that we don't have a youth group community group uh, or that we don't have just our college group have their own community group because it's great for young people like you guys to sit with old people like me and learn you know just talk about life and maybe something you're going through is something that I've been through before and I can tell you you know when I was going through that here's what the Lord taught me and this passage, I, I wish I understood this better when I was at that stage or that kind of thing. Or to see my children sitting with you guys and, you know, they're just just getting ready to enter adulthood and to learn about some of the things you've discovered becoming adults now and you're on your own and, you know, or, or uh, you know, all of us sharing with each other what we've learned from God's word and how God has used our experiences to teach us to trust him. And that's, that's what community groups are about. Okay, page 13, the last phrase in our mission statement, living for his purpose. God has called us out as a local group of believers, uh, brought us into fellowship here. You've all joined, and we've joined for a purpose, to be carrying out the mission God's given us together. And that's what this last part of our mission statement is talking about, is us doing the work of the ministry together. And you can see the first paragraph there. We say one of the most profound realities of church life is the privilege of service. I mean, think about that. Remember when I was a kid, I was really into, I know this is hard to believe, I was really into like Star Wars and epic stuff like that. I just, Luke Skywalker, I was enamored with Luke Skywalker. You know, here he is, a little kid on Tatooine, and he is, those of you who are Star Wars geeks like me, you're like, and some of you are going, Tatooine, what is Tatooine? That's a planet where Luke grew up. Anyways, he's this little kid growing up on a desert planet who's nobody, and then all of a sudden he discovers he's a key player in this epic battle of the ages between good and evil, and I just thought that was so cool. And I was I didn't grow up in a Christian home, um, became a believer when I was in 10th grade, and I remember it occurring to me not long after becoming a believer and learning about this, learning that God wants to use me in what he's doing in his world. And I thought... Luke Skywalker doesn't have anything on believers. I mean, God actually has called you out and wants to use you in what he's been doing from eternity past, the plans he's been carrying out from eternity past. And uh, it, it really is a privilege. It's it's incredible privilege that God wants us to be involved in what he's doing. And uh, we, we read about that in many places. I just break down here um, in... Uh, the couple passages, First Peter chapter 4 is where we'll start. But this sentence that you see where it says these verses can be summarized by this sentence. That is that we are to use the gifts that, that we've been given for the good of others with a holy confidence and for the glory of God. And that, that phrase there, you can see the underline is kind of split. Is yours like mine split? You can see kind of a little break in the underline. There's four phrases there that I just want to draw out. And I'll, in order to do that, let me read the passage, the entire passage up above there for you. Each of you should use whatever gift you've, been, you've received to serve others, 
as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So that is kind of an encapsulation of how God wants to use us and why he wants to use us. So the, the first phrase there that, that we've uh, used to summarize that passage is using the gifts you've been given. Each of us should use whatever gift we've received. And I just want to just want to point out here that um, there are a lot of passages in your New Testament. There are a couple passages, actually, that will talk about spiritual gifts. And they'll list some examples. And, and uh, I understand those not to be exhaustive lists, but to be kind of uh, exemplary or representative of the kinds of gifts God gives to us as believers. And um, you can see here a couple of references uh, listed, uh, gifts being defined in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to spend time to go into the, the Greek phrase or words that are there, but uh, the, the key that I want you to take away from here, look at the definition below that. Spiritual gifts are God-given, spirit-enabled abilities given to every believer for the purpose of serving the church. And uh, the key is that they're God-given and that they're spirit-enabled. So these are things that God does in the life of a believer, enablements that you receive from God because of what he wants you to do, how he wants to use you. And uh, for that reason, um, it doesn't have to be a spooky, mystical process for us to figure out what our gifts are. Um, you know, there are gift tests and surveys you can take, and that's all fine. That may be helpful. In fact, we've used some of those things. Um, but it can be very practical. It can be a matter of looking at uh, what interests has God given me. Uh, for example, I'm, I'm quite a, a nerd or geek. I like technology. I've always had an affinity for it. And over the years, I've learned that there are lots of ways I can put those affinities into use for ministry. And so I've used, for example, I, I help uh, manage and, and build our church website. And that's just something God has given me experience and an aptitude for. And so I use it for that. Uh, nothing mystical or spooky about it. But that is something that God has designed in me. He's built me in such a way that I can, I can use that ability for, for uh, the work that he's given us to do together. And uh, notice that second bullet point there types of gifts, speaking and serving. And you can see that in the passage there, it kind of does outline two general areas of service. Uh, it talks about speaking, and really that's referring to uh, the ability to take what God's word says and communicate it so that uh, it's easy for believers to understand. It's easy for the, the people to understand and apply to their lives. And so that's one area of service, and then uh, really a lot of there are a lot of versions of that. But it could it could mean teaching like I'm teaching right here, standing in a lectern and teaching a class. It can be leading a community group, uh, being able to facilitate discussion and and be able to uh, help people feel comfortable in in discussing the truth together, or the one on one like the um, growth partners that we talked about. That's actually a, a way to use a speaking gift. Maybe. Maybe you're not the greatest at standing in front of a large group and talking, but you really can connect with people. And you can, one-on-one, -on -one, you can listen, and then you have uh, the ability to take what God's Word says and apply it to that person's situation and help them understand uh, the difference that it can make in their lives. Those are all ways to use speaking gifts, not just the guy standing up front preaching each week. Um, but then serving abilities. And uh, that that covers a whole range of things, just using, like, the computer stuff I mentioned. Uh, maybe you're good working with your hands and you're able to do carpentry and you can help build sets for Vacation Bible School. Maybe you're great at cooking and uh, you can do like my wife did this past week and prepare three meals a day for 27 teenagers. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of ways to serve. And uh, as many kinds of people there are with different skills, that's as many ways as there are to serve. 
So, and then you just see the next sentence there, commenting on what I mentioned, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Corinthians, giving us representative lists, examples of what I just described. And uh, so all of us are gifted in this way. God has equipped each one of you to serve. In fact, he's brought you here because something you can do that I can't do needs to get done here at the CBC. That's how practical it is. There's something you can do to serve the Lord here that if it were just people like Larry Castle wouldn't get done because uh, I don't have that ability or that skill or that aptitude, but you do. And so God's gifted every one of us, and he expects our gifts to be used. Uh, why does he want us to use them? Look at the next page, verse, uh, chapter 14, or uh, not chapter, page 14. Our passage in First Peter says that we are to use these gifts to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Familiar with the word steward? It's somebody who's been entrusted with something that belongs to another. So when the Bible talks about these gifts that we have, it talks about us being stewards of them. Um, you know, the Bible says things like, what do you have that you haven't been given? You know, somebody might um, be proud of an ability or a gift that they've been given, and we're told there's no reason for us to be proud of anything. We didn't create ourselves. Uh, we might even work hard to hone an ability and perfect uh, a talent that we have. Where would we get the strength to do that? That comes from the Lord who made us. And so all of these things are things we've been given, and God gave them to us to exploit for the mission that he's given us. So we, we use them in serving others. You can see the uh, passage there in Luke 22. I won't, I won't read it. I just want to highlight for you. This is a passage in which there was a need in the church. And um, the, the Bible says that... Uh, I apologize. That's not the passage that I was thinking it was. This is this is the passage where Jesus is t- talking to his disciples, and uh, they're talking about who's going to be great. Uh, and Jesus confronts this pride in them, this looking out for number one, and says, "This is how the unbelievers are. This is how the nations are, the Gentiles. But it should be different with you." And he says, the, the, the way that you know who is the greatest among you is the one who's serving the most. And so the gifts that he's given us are to be used to serve others. Um, and the next bullet point you see there says administering grace. And uh, we, we have a lesson in uh, one of the series I teach the teens on relationships. And it uses the illustration of a cul-de-sac. Have you guys... You know what a cul-de-sac is? You drive down a side street and you get to one of those, you turn the wrong turn, and then you go and you got to loop around and you come back out because there's no outlet there. Uh, this series we're teaching the kids uh, called uh, Relationships a Mess Worth Making. We One of the principles we teach them is that God has designed us to be conduits of his grace, that God pours his grace into us so that we can serve others through it, not just for our own benefit. And the, the illustration we give them is dip. we need to be a conduit of God's grace. It flows through us and out to other people, not a cul-de-sac of God's grace. And uh, that's that's the principle here, that God uh, has chosen to dispense, distribute, or administer grace to his people through his people. And that really should change the way we think about what we do here in ministry and why we do it. It's not so that I can look good or so that I can even find satisfaction, even though I do find satisfaction in serving, but it's so that I can be used by God to benefit those around me. And uh, the idea is having one another ministry, which happens to be what we're studying in community groups currently. And uh, the, the New Testament has a lot to say about how we interact with one another and how we serve one another. And uh, we've been going through them week after week in our community groups, but things like loving one another, accepting one another, serving one another, forgiving one another, encouraging one another. And so this is why God's given us these gifts, to be used for one another. And you see the next uh, phrase there, with holy confidence. And uh, the part of the passage that we're talking about when we say with holy confidence, if anyone speaks, speak as the 
one who has the very words of God. For if you serve, serving with the strength God provides. You know, it, it might, you, maybe you're a per, the kind of person who says, you know, but could God really use me? I mean, what can I do? Why would God want to use me? And I don't know if you're familiar with the passage in Exodus where Moses uh, happens upon the bush that's burning but not being consumed, and God gives him a mission. God says, I'm going to send you back to, to tell Pharaoh to set my people free. And Moses is not feeling it at the beginning. He's, he's thinking he's not adequate to the task, and he's actually right. But God's adequate to use us for the task. And God reminds him, who made your mouth? You say you can't talk, but who made your mouth? I did, and I'm telling you, here's what I want you to do. And I just want to encourage you, um, humility is great. It is important that we, like the New Testament says, not think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. So I'm not, I'm not trying to encourage you to have sufficient self-confidence to get plugged in and serve. But I am encouraging you to have sufficient God confidence to get plugged in and serve and use how he's made you. Not because you're so awesome, but because our God is awesome. He'll use every one of us because of who he is. So with a holy confidence, and uh, you can see there Ephesians 2 reminding us that God has called us out for this purpose. We're his handiwork. He's done this in us, made us who we are because he's prepared in advance things for us to do ways he wants to use us. And uh, 1 Corinthians 12 reminding us that every one of us plays a part. So we have a mutual need for one another to carry out the work God's given us. And then page 15, we do this for his glory. 1 Peter 4.11, the second part of the verse says, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ to uh, to him be the glory and power forever and ever. So the motivation that we have ultimately for doing all this is it's a it's a part of our worship of the Lord. Serving is a matter of worship. Um, ministry isn't, um, notice the phrase there toward the end, the second to last sentence. Ministry doesn't motivate worship. Worship motivates ministry. Um, you've heard the phrase, somebody might be so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. If we really do value this idea of heavenly minded I think the idea is valuing what God says is important if we really do value what God says is important then it will make us very valuable practically uh, right here and right now because God is busy in his world calling out worshipers Uh, he is busy carrying out the great commission that Jesus gave the church through the church and God wants to use you in a very specific way in the carrying of that, carrying out of that. So practically speaking, just a couple of things for you to think about those bullet points that are listed there. Um, and I'll explain what each of these mean. Informal ministry versus formal ministry. Um, and both of these are important. What we mean by that is there's a formal ministry. I'm sitting here in front of you today teaching a class. This is formal ministry. But I might go to lunch with somebody after church today and hear what's going on in their lives and learn how to pray for them or encourage them while we're out or I might learn of a need that I can meet this week uh, and so on and, and there are just numerous ways more more um, ways probably that I could think of if I just sat here trying to think of ways ways that you may discover that I wouldn't be aware of as you go and interact in the body and uh, and think about ways to serve that are not formal so formal versus informal they're things that we can always be busy with um Use of our resources. So, uh, you know, I have, like I said, an affinity for technology. Also, because of my occupation, I have all kinds of resources uh, to learn about technology, to learn about things like Facebook. I work at a company where we use social media for marketing for companies like Ford. So I can use what I learned from that to strategize and use those things to promote, like Vacation Bible School, for example. Um, so what has God entrusted to you, what are you? What do you have that you're a manager of, and uh, material resources, time, abilities, and other things? Do you think strategically about how you can use them? A lot of times we think of the stuff we have as our toys, but they're not; they're tools, and so that's how we should be thinking of them. Uh, the next principle: attend. 
be a part of what's going on here. And I know we can't all be at everything, but when you see something on the calendar, strive to be a part of what's going on. That's the way that you grow together with the people here. That's the way you learn about what's happening here, and you'll discover ways that you can serve by just being a part of what's happening. And uh, never underestimate the value of your presence at a ministry activity here. Uh, it might be that you show up and there's there's nothing for you to do when you get here, particularly like, you know, they don't need anybody to set up tables and whatever. But you'll be here and somebody may actually need uh, exactly what you have to say just by just meeting and talking with somebody at that event. So don't underestimate how God might use you just by being present. Uh, so it will be a value to your growth and your maturity, and it may be a value because of the impact and influence that you'll have in the life of others. Uh, the second, the, the next thing, the fourth item, weekly and rotational ministry. Uh, this is this is the idea of um, there are things, some things that need to be done here at CBC on an ongoing basis. You know, every week things that need to be done, uh, signs out in the parking lot in the wintertime, snow removal. Um, uh, printing materials, uh, teaching classes, things that just need to get done all the time. But there are other things that are rotational. Um, being uh, a part of a cafe community and bringing uh, something or um, trying to think of another rotational type of a ministry, something that uh, you only do every so often. Maybe you enjoy singing and the ensemble has a rotation that people are only on every now and then, or hosting a community group. It's something you might only have to do for six weeks out of the year, and then another host home um, rotates in. So thinking about long-term things that you could do week in and week out or something you could rotate in on, and uh, it's possible to do both of those things, to have a a weekly ministry and a rotational ministry. And uh, the last thing, just, just thinking of the big picture. That's what we mean by taking the long view of joy on occasion. Um, you, you might hear people explain their involvement in ministry as, um, you know, maybe they're, they're kind of looking for the right thing. They just haven't found a place to serve. Maybe they have a particular ability and a passion for a, a ministry, and we don't have anything like that here. And so they're trying to figure out a way to use that ability or gift. Maybe there's not as obvious of a way for you to get plugged in immediately. But think about this. Um, God knows that. He knows how he's made you. Maybe there's a need, and it's not like your main thing, but there's a need that you could fill. It may not be your your main preference, but plug in where there's a need, and in time you may discover a way to serve You know, in a way that, that does fit where you see yourself ultimately being able to be most effective. And the goal here is don't make the mistake of taking... Um, I used to work at Franklin Covey, the Franklin Covey approach to ministry, which was uh, do what you love and the money will follow. That was their their approach. You know, find your dream job, and who cares if you're a pauper at the beginning? Keep doing that, and eventually, you know, because of your passion, it'll catch on. You know, be practical. Um, see a need, fill it. And over time, you may be surprised at how God will use that and uh, help you to find the right place for you to be serving. So uh, we're, we're out of time, but I just want to highlight on page 16 for you. This is, this is a section that uh, a lot of times I'll actually take. I set up a computer in case we had time, but I knew we had a lot of ground to cover. It might not make it. Um, community service. This is a ministry that uh, I'm actually heading up, and it's designed to help you figure out how to do that last part of the mission statement that I just spent a lot of time on and that is living for his purpose. How to get plugged in here at CBC so you can be using your gifts and abilities. So community service coordinators listed there, that's me. Um, I would love to help you identify, and I would love to get a record of what your skills and abilities, experience, and preferences are. We have a place on our church website where you can do that. If you don't have a login to the CBC member section of the site, see me after class. We'll make sure you have one. And you can actually log in and look at your own profile, and there's actually a section there for gifts and abilities. You can check check off the items that uh, match you. So if you have a passion for auto mechanic uh, work, or if you have a passion for children's work, or whatever it is, you can let us know there. And when we have a need, 
the first thing I do, rather than just walking around hounding people or standing up and making an announcement going, please help us, the first thing we do is we go to our members database and see what people are interested in. And if we have a need for a children's worker, we do a search, and anybody who said, I love children's work, they come up. And then we approach specifically those people who are looking to work in children's ministry and say, hey, we have an opportunity. Would you be interested? So we try to take a very intentional approach to that. And um, so... Uh, I would love to help you make sure that your profile is full. You can actually put a picture of yourself in there. There's room for a family picture. And uh, you can connect with other people there. You can get to know people. You can find somebody's phone number or email address. Maybe you met somebody in Cafe Community. You want to follow up with them, let them know you're praying for them, or check on somebody that you've been praying for. You can use the member section for that. Um, We actually have a form called a Your Fit form. It's a paper form, but I'd like to encourage you to try to do this online. If you're really, really not an online person and you'd like the paper form, let me know that as well. And I can get you just a simple little one-page form that you can fill out, and I'll go in and fill in your profile for you so your name will come up when we do a search looking for somebody uh, to fit a place of service. And our goal is at the bottom of page 16 to match you with a place where you really fit to serve. Like I said, we want to encourage everybody to be serving, just filling needs. But ultimately, we'd like to help you find a fit uh, where you can be most effective. So let me know um, if you need help filling that out, and I'd be glad to help you with that. Um, I think I think that does it. What kind of questions? I know I've gone a little over, and uh, you guys are probably hungry and thinking about lunch. But any questions about our mission statement, any component of it? Yes. I have a quick question. Um, if it's not 100% fit, uh, we're supposed to uh, plug ourselves into something that's 100%. Because I know there's like a percent, uh, percentage. Um, your fit is 12%. That's what my said. I was like, oh, my. Okay. Is this on the survey? That Okay, yeah. That is actually just to help you learn. Okay. Maybe... Uh, it's very helpful. I'm trying. I'll have to ask which one you afterward. Maybe I can talk to you and find out which one uh, you took. Did you guys all take some sort of an assessment when you became members? I couldn't remember if we give that. So if you need help understanding that, uh, in fact, if you have, maybe this question is really important and I could go through it. The goal is to help you understand about yourself, your personality, and through a series of questions. It's actually a really um, amazing survey that they take you through. It even compensates for perhaps a bias you have in how you think about yourself. The goal is to just help you take a little more objective view of yourself and show you, um, based on your personality, where you might have a great fit. It doesn't mean, like I was saying earlier, that that's that's the only way you can serve. Uh, If you found a need and you're willing to fill that need, even if it doesn't fit exactly with what your profile says, by all means, you can continue doing that. As time goes on, if, if we have other ministries that would be an even better fit for you, and we want to help you move into that as well. Um, does that answer the question for you? I just thought it was interesting. Yeah. I had joined the, um, the cleaning ministry. Yes. And it said 12%. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. The cleaning, the cleaning ministry is one that almost none of us fit to a high degree. But that's one of those areas that just needs to be done, right? So that's the one that we all kind of do some things that we just need to pitch in to make sure get done and then there are other things that as as opportunity opens up that we can fit into and, and really use the different gifts and abilities God's made uh, built into us to serve but those are things that in fact that's a good I don't know if it came across when I was teaching but that's the kind of thing that might be a rotational ministry and I, I failed to use that one as an example but that's a ministry that very few people are going to go I am called to custodial ministry but that we can all pitch in, make sure it gets done, and then in addition to that, because that's just a rotational ministry, have a, another thing that we're plugged into and really pouring in the way God's made us, our gifts and abilities. Good question. Any others? Yeah, Paul. So it's uh, so it's on the role of the church to call out if there's a need, call out to us, and you know you'll select who you know you'll reach out and initiate that, or should we reach out and initiate and say? something, mm-hmm. you know, is there is there an active list of things that the church is looking for and needs that we can fill and that we can 
Good question. Very good question. Um, as, a, as a rule, we try to actively be filling the things. So as a rule, we're going to be doing that reaching out to people. But by all means, if you've got an area of interest and, and the connection has not been made, it's totally fine to say, hey, I've got this area of interest. Is there a way for me to use this? And one of the first things that I would like to do, I'm just starting this community service capacity. One of the things I'd like to do is that member section actually has a way for you to search for positions or needs that have been listed. And most of our ministries don't use those positions and needs part of our database right now. We use it really as, uh, on, we put it on members to have their profile listed and we do a search. But there is a, a way for us to use the same site that we have to let members be proactive and, and start looking. So I hope by the end of this year we'll have that functional. And, uh, you know, I'm sure it'll take time to get it fully up and running and people using it. But uh, in the meantime, before that's going, just coming up and saying, here's what I have in mind is a good way to start. Larry, good question. Tim's uh, monthly newsletter highlights that's right. the different needs that they have in each of the different ministries, too. I noticed yeah. that the last three months he has a different ministry on there. That's right. So Tim Robinson is uh, what we call our ministry support coordinator. He and I are kind of like two sides of the same coin. And what he does is he first sends out an email to all of us who are leading a particular ministry, so me with the youth ministry, and we tell him what current needs we have, and then he sends out a newsletter to the whole congregation saying, here are some things to think about if you're looking for a place to serve. So that's another way that we have that. Good, Bill. Good example. That's a brand new thing that yeah. Tim's just started. Just started, yeah. You mean like if somebody needed a lawnmower, there's broke and they couldn't find one? Is that what you mean? No, it's, it's more like of... A physical the, the different help? ministries in the church that you can participate in. Yeah, like children's ministry right. needs two okay. Sunday school teachers to okay. rotate in. Who's in or that kind of thing? Yeah, okay. Some we do have a we do have a place for that, by the way. And I didn't mention because I didn't get to the church website walkthrough, but we have a place called um, Community. Oh, what is it called? If you look at the very bottom of our website. Community marketplace, that's what we call it. And there are two parts. There's a place if you own a business and would like to list it there, there's a business directory. You can submit a form and it basically just emails me and then as soon as I can, uh, if I have questions, I email you back and then I list it there. And then there's another one that is a, it's kind of a um, classified. And if you need a lawnmower, you list it. If you have a lawnmower, they want to give away, you list it. We can use that as well. Pastor will send out uh, a mention or a link to that in his emails from time to time. So... Good questions. Boy, you guys are paying attention. All right, let's just close with a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for uh, this opportunity the last several weeks to think about how we have purposed intentionally to come together as your people and be carrying out the work you've given us to do. Thank you so much for these men and women who have uh, saw the value and importance of being plugged in and a part of what you're doing here at CBC and and of making a commitment to their their part in it by being members. And I pray, Lord, that you would uh, continue to use them here, help them to find a place to serve, and we pray that you would use them in the years to come to further what you're doing here and to uh, help for us to help one another grow closer to you and honor you with our lives. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.